Konnisti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. My name is Aaron and I'm about to be talking with my sister in DBS, which is Dublin Business School, yeah, Business School, about mythology, mythic places with Russell Swanigan, uh, a very interesting character who's come all the way over to Ireland to explore the mythic places. And you know what? He's a patron too. Uh, Patreon supporter, patreon.com forward slash Candle Tales. So you can do that if you want to be Patreon supporter, or you can like and subscribe to the channel if you're on YouTube, or you can just share this conversation or these stories with anyone you want to, if you want to. Um, stay tuned for more stories. We have more Mythic Places episodes coming up, and we have a very interesting chat about to happen. You. Russell, thanks very much for joining us on the Candle Tales podcast. We've My pleasure. Uh, not only are you a Patreon supporter, thank you very much, by the way. You're very welcome. Um, but you're also a fan of mythology, a fan of my sister, which I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess you've incorporated storytelling into coming into Ireland. And, well, I guess, do you want to tell us a little bit about your work and how you find stories and storytelling? Yes, I um, teach uh, at uh, a long name here. So brace okay. yourself, California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo. It does not fit on one line. No, that does not fit on one line. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have uh, uh, taught there for 17 years. The uh, storytelling class, amazingly, amazingly enough, a, a technical university has a storytelling class. This is also why I kind of wanted to like talk to you, but it was like, okay, hang on, there it you see, it's, it's technical technicians, like software developing. Kind I of. mean, I remember when we first met actually in 2019, Russell, and you were you you described yourself as being like alone in the wilderness yes. of technology. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, and not only that, our, our department, but to, to take away a little bit of the mystery, uh, there's a very fine um, uh, undergraduate teacher preparation program as part of this university. Nice. Um, and that program, even to complicate things further, is in the College of Science and Math. So uh, it's a very interesting place to be for a storyteller. Uh, really? Where um, what I do is not well understood. You know? <laughs> but that's okay. I, can I don't mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I teach in, in the undergraduate uh, education program. And the course is uh, designed for uh, for teachers. the The subtitle of the storytelling course is called "Modern Application of Traditional Oral Narrative." I know. Modern application for traditional oral narrative of traditional oral oh. narrative. When we moved to the College of Science and Math, I thought I needed some more gravitas mm -hmm. to the course. So mm -hmm. good title. Good, good title. Always good title. Yeah. So it sounds really good. And amazingly enough. It reflects what we do in the course. Okay, that's a good bonus. It's a good bonus for title. Yeah, so you, exactly. You, you do exactly what you say on the tin. We do. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, in what way? How do you apply all oral traditions of storytelling to a modern? What is the what is the modern application for it? Well, it's looking it's looking at the um, the ancient stories, and then. Uh, interpreting these stories in such a way that they we bring them into the modern world. And then we imagine the way that they can be applied in pedagogy for, for delivering content in the classroom. And it sounds like- uh, No, no I, 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 I'm, I'm, again, I'm just gonna break it down to like mansplain this to me, please. Like, <laughs> what name of God do you mean by uh, applying it into pedagogy? Like, what does that like? What does it look like? I'm, yeah, pedagogy is um, is is how you teach, are the tools with which you use to um, to deliver content, right? Whatever it is you're you're attempting to teach. Mm -hmm. um, so. The idea is that our modern generations have moved far away from these stories in terms of 
even understanding the context of the stories sure. because they've been codified in print and, and cultures moved on and left them behind. And our job is to is to lift them off of that printed page, to breathe life into them and deliver them to a new generation of people, which, by the way, is exactly what you're doing. Exactly. Like <laughs> this was, like I said, when we first met in 2019, it was kind of like, oh, we're doing the same thing. Right in very different contexts in very different places. Like that's very cool. It's very cool. <laughs> uh, so, so lifting those off the page and then learning how to look at them in maybe an other than literal way. Of course. Right. So, uh, you know, our, our students at, at least in, in the U S are, are trained to be very literal. Mm -hmm right, in their interpretation of text and all of that. So sure. so one of my goals is to say, yes, here's what it says, but then what does it mean? And how can you get to that meaning by maybe looking at the symbolism or just, you know, interpreting the story in a slightly different way? Mm -hmm. And then you begin to see all of these underlying meanings in the stories, and then you get to look at that and say, well, how can I use this then uh, to deliver maybe a science concept with that story that has the ability to attach an emotional connection to an otherwise um, um, Im empirical concept, mm -hmm. right? Which, which in, I know that. No, no, it's, it's, uh, hey, but, it's okay. But just like this, he's, he's he's got a couple of Aaron has a master's degree. <laughs> you know, like he's fine. He's keeping Girl. up. Yeah, 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 don't worry, worry, worry. Okay, okay. I'm playing dumb. I like to break things down for lame no, stories. No, I know you do. I for do. for our <laughs> listeners and for me, yeah. and so I can repeat it back in my own way next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's kind of here's here's how I I work this course. Sure. Is, uh, first of all, the essential question that we consider is why story? Mm. You know, here they are, storytelling class, College of Science and Math. I mean, what am I, you know, what am I doing here? Uh, so we look at um, the role that storytelling plays in our lives every day. We start there. We start with the personal. Nice. You know, think about this. Think about the fact that, you know, it might be, one o'clock in the afternoon. How many stories have you told today? You know, mm -hmm. and the, the first um, thing I want to get across to the students is that they're all storytellers. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're doing just, it organically. I mean, Every time someone asks you, how are you? And you just give them more than fine. Right. You're telling them some kind of a story. Right, this is what it means to be human. We cannot yeah. not tell stories. Can't get away from stories. It's literally so, how we understand things. So we yeah. start there. You're all storytellers. You may not consider yourself to be good storytellers, but that's irrelevant. We, we're not concerned about that. It's just the judgment. So, so then I have them begin to tell, tell stories uh, to each other in a very safe environment, but stories, um, personal stories, like stories of place. And the stories of place figure in very strongly with what we do here, by the way. When that's, I mean, that's why we come here. And then we gradually move out from the personal to, to the uh, to more expanded. I give them image, an image, for example. I say, well, tell a story about this image. So the image is not theirs, but the story is. And that's just provoking creative thinking, really. Exactly. You know, you're actually uh, asking to fire new kind of neural connections so that people can actually think outside the pre-prescribed box. And again, that's yeah. things. That's what taking li things literally at face value is constantly. It's like, yeah. it's read on the page, it's this, deliver it, regurgitate it in right. a test, repeat it because you've learned it and you can show off that you can learn things yeah. straight now. Be really good at memorizing things and then immediately forget them afterwards. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so they may have, uh, we may have uh, 10 or 15 students having the same image. You're going to get 10 or 15 different stories. Totally okay. different stories, yeah. So this is something I want to show them too, is that right. every story they tell is going to be filtered through their own um, experience. So we move 
further and further away from their personal. And, and the goal is to get to these traditional stories. Not only are they um, stories that are not theirs, but they may also be stories that have been so removed from our own cultural experience that they're outside of our culture now. We need to bring those back in. So gradually getting them to to be imaginative about these things, to look at these things, to understand the context of the story when it was written down, and then to bring it forward into our modern lives. And I think a really valuable thing in that as well is that 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 idea of understanding that we're always filtering through our own perspective. In a college of science and technology, there is no objective truth because even the questions that we ask in science are filtered. Mm and deeply personal and so the idea that there's this like pure empirical this is what this is 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 like it's a lot more complicated than that which is not to say that the scientific method is not a good method it's a good method but like it's it's i think sometimes people forget about what the blind spots are because we get so into this story of rationality and empiricism and like objectivity that we forget that there's there's no such thing as objectivity in the human experience. Right. It's not mm. a thing that we can do. And and what? like so and, you know, because we think you culturally want, we think you really it. want there to be. Yeah, we it, always really well, we really want there yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also that kind of thing of like, you know, you can get into is it, I always find it really funny when you see people arguing over the interpretation of a story. Mm. It's like, well, no, it's this. You can tell it's this because of X, Y, Z. No, it's that. You can tell it's that because of X, Y, Z. <laughs> my guy it's a story Dude. what was the there was a film a couple of years ago inception that ended on a, on an ambiguity yeah and it drove people absolutely crazy because there was this whole thing about is he in a dream is he in a dream or is he in reality mm. and the final shot is a spinning top and if the top falls over he's in reality and if the top doesn't fall over he's in a dream and it closes on a top that hasn't fallen yet and i think it was christopher nolan made it but people went nuts looking for the real meaning of it. And he eventually said, lads, I didn't run out of film. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the point of that is that it is ambiguous, but it's it, it was really interesting to me at the time and it's still really interesting to me as an example of how in, in our kind of society where we are so locked into binaries and a, you know, rationality and absolutes, that any kind of ambiguity really freaks people out. Like anything that is outside of yes, no, male, female, right, mm -hmm. wrong, makes us kind of go like, ooh, right. what, what? Right. And a lot of people have a really negative reaction to that. I've always had a really positive reaction to that. I've always found the ambiguous stuff is the stuff where I go, ooh, bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know? again, that's, that's People want thing and you know something that fits in a box, right? yeah. neatly, and it's objective, and you can understand it, and you can say what it is, and you can label it, and you can like it, or, or you can call it right and wrong, and it's black and white thinking, and that's where we get trapped in kind of again a modern way of looking at stories. I think is often to just n not understand stuff. You know, exactly. you don't know what's going on. Oh no, but that's chaos. Yeah, that's what it is. Where there is no left and right there is no up and down really there's just like there's just you know if you go up from a different part of the world you're going sideways yeah. <laughs> you know if, depending on what point of view you're looking at <laughs> uh, you know we're all on a giant rock floating hurtling through the space uh, or on a giant burning rock Which, so but i but i think that's, that's also where stories come in as well because as well as showing that 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 kind of fragmentation that sort of like postmodern terror of, of the fragmentation of what is true and what is not, it also invites you into the other side of that for me in storytelling is that you get to make your own meaning. Yeah, exactly. You get to you get to resolve that chaos for yourself, understanding that, that is an individual project. Mm -hmm. And this is the biggest challenge I think that my students have because they have been trained that there's one answer, it's a right answer. And they've also been trained that there's a process. We start here, we go from A to B to C, D, and they come into my class and I tell them, 
there is no right answer. There is no one right way to tell a story. <laughs> that that's the challenge. Is that you need you need to do this self exploration and have the confidence in the way that you're experiencing the story and telling the story that it's right for you. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that's the, you know, where religion gets taken literally. You see it a lot, maybe in America, maybe across the world, but it's you this. See, you yeah, know, you see it a lot here as well. Here. You see it a lot here. Well, I, th I think less so, but oh, now. It depends where you are. <laughs> sure. Sorry, uh, but yes. No, you're right. Like, I think there there is that, that literalization of the, of the sort of transcendent in religions. I think it's actually, I think it is probably a global problem. But I mean, we're, we're familiar with seeing it in, in the American context. There was a lot of it. There's been a lot of it in the Irish context. You sure. see a lot of it in different world religions where it's a real kind of concretization of like, this is right, that is wrong, this is good, that is bad, and I have to go and do something about the bad people. Hmm. As opposed to just sitting there and like, we're all just, it's all just stuff, guys. <laughs> but it, 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 I, I often kind of think like, it is, you know, how I grew up as a child, uh, you know, from infancy into adolescent of like looking at stories, being taught religious stories primarily um, mm -hmm. and hearing gospels and hearing what happened in the Bible in, in, in this we, Catholic like surrounding. A lot of Irish people were, were raised in a sort of culturally Catholic rather than actually particularly religious. Yeah. Um, like our parents were not particularly religious, but Ireland in the 80s and 90s was still so profoundly Catholic that, you know, even just going to a, a state school, you get Bible stories, you get the rituals of Catholicism, you get all of this stuff as you're growing up. And you do get the film of Cool and the Salmon of Knowledge, and you do get an introduction to Ku Cullum, and you do get an introduction to these little uh, names within Irish mythology that have a big... But it was always wild to me how the very same teachers who would tell you the gospel stories with such a straight face. This is how the saint died, and this was all. And then, the, then that angel flew down from heaven with a golden trumpet, and then they would get onto the Irish mythology ones and be like, "Now we must remember <laughs> that these are full of exaggeration, because yeah. really they're just a bit daft. So we're not going to take this too seriously. Don't yeah, take yeah. it too literally. <laughs> Don't worry about it too much. Don't take it, get too excited." And I'm like. How is this wilder? <laughs> yeah. Then <laughs> Moses parting the sea. The, that, that's awesome. literally true, Aaron. <laughs> Sacrilege. Sacrilege. You know, like, what? And I used to love that. I, could, I remember painting a wall in my third class. Second, I think I was in second. I was a kid in, in third class. It was a split class. We were painting the wall uh, at the back of the trying to paint water going up <laughs> as a kid in I don't know, was it eight. Uh, it was hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to get that sense of motion. Yeah, yeah. It was cool a, imagery. Was, yeah, it was amazing. Was cool that. imagery in Bible stories. Absolutely. But like, you know, and it's kind of where my resurgence in, into Irish myth has gone to kind of go, hang on. Okay, there are there were stories I came up with culturally and, and were amazed by. And, you know, as a kid, with that fascination of story, you know, whether it's made up by our father or whether it's mm -hmm. stories you see in movies, often Western in our homes. Um, the the excitement through story came for me a little bit later. Like you read stories to me so yeah. many so so often. I was lucky to have you still, <laughs> doing that job, uh, to be honest. But the excitement in story enhances the living. Mm -hmm. because you don't get to feel those emotions unless you're actually literally feeling them and it's awful because it's if you're that heartbroken if you're that if you're literally burying a loved one you know everything is, is heightened and you're kind of going into the fight flight freeze mode and you're getting on with stuff and you're doing things and it's not till you process and go through all that but in the aftermath of potential trauma or adversity then you get moments of being reminded of how beautiful life can be by being reminded of the suffering and the elation through story. And that for me is where it reverberates into the nowness and, and the modernity of it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, either the, uh, the yeah, enthusiasm for living comes through a parallel appreciation of, of just story, of, of experiencing a story. Exactly. Um, exactly. 
That wasn't a question. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we said we would probably immediately fragment into chaos? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with you. You're good. Good. So, but that's the thing is that the stories allow us to live um, imaginative, imaginatively into this other world. Mm -hmm. And it does make it richer for us, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think so. And I think, yeah. Like I'm just thinking, God, what a what a great way to teach people as well to actually understand that that you can you can hook an emotion onto the the list of empirical facts and actually deliver it as a as a story. That's a great. That's that seems like just a great approach. Yeah, because that, because that's sorry. I think my question uh, was forming itself in, in in my head as I was going off on one, um, and that. For me, is how I, you know, do what we do. You know, I love stories for many reasons, but that's kind of one of the core essences for me. I'm breathing life back inside and literally letting it breathe and live with an audience. I get a little stuck on this idea of application. You know, applying the old myths in terms of here and now, other than exciting the, the the mind and the imagination and, and one's creativity and so i guess my question uh for you russell is in what way do you apply on a you know if you can break it down to like two you know as short as you can what way can you <laughs> no, apply? no we're gonna shut up now we're gonna let russell talk about the application of this yeah. for a while because like, we've gone off <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay <laughs> Well, frankly, <laughs> the more that I lear learn about Irish myths, I mean, this question is rattling around in my head, too. Nice. You know, yeah. um, these stories, honestly, are, are fairly new to me. Uh, I work mostly in uh, European folklore and myth, which is quite a bit different from Irish folklore and myth. I mean, it's really pretty different. Um, would I, one of the, one of the units of instruction I have in this class is the genres of oral traditional literature. There are some genres that, as far as I know, don't exist in Irish folk literature. Mm. Uh, like, I've not run into a Porquois story, for example. Sorry, what's our... A why story. A why, why story. Why is it that uh, a, a skunk has two oh, stories? Oh, yeah. Why stories, pourquoi stories. Um, these stories are really common in uh, Native American yeah. stories, for mm. example, and they're great for science. They're great to... They just dovetail so well into that idea. Mm. Um, uh, of fables for example, where the characters in the stories are animals that exhibit human characteristics. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, I have not read into an Irish story mm -hmm. like that. No. Um, right? if, they're, if, they're, if it's an animal and it talks to you, it's from the other world. Exactly. <laughs> and it could be just a shapeshifter. It, it could be just exactly. a shapeshifter in disguise. So it's a completely different world for me mm. um, and a marvelous world. And, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to answer the same question that you just asked. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the home dinger, right? Because it really is. Yeah, well, it really is. is. And, and yeah. what I'm, what's rattling around in my head right now, is uh, is the the story of the swineherds. Oh yeah, right. And all of that shape shifting, all of that till they finally and come down to these eels and and don't forget they'll be back. <laughs> you, you know? Yes. Uh, there's some marvelous attributes of the Irish myths that um, that I'm just I'm so much there for you to chew on. Yeah. You know? yeah. So this is full disclosure. I mean, I didn't come here as an expert on Irish myth. As a matter of fact, I came here uh, knowing almost nothing. Nice. Uh, and, and so that's why I don't teach the Irish myth and legends class. That's That's done here at DBS by by two very fine professors, uh, professor of history and a professor of literature. And they approach the ton from 
a literary perspective, how that story influenced Irish literature through time. Mm. And our history professor uh, does it from a, obviously a historical perspective. How has these have these stories um, lived and um, been organic uh, through a historical perspective? And then they take those and they show how the stories influenced Irish culture, past and present. And that right there is, is a really fine application mm-hmm. of these stories. It's looking the, at them and how they influence culture and identity, mm-hmm. personal identity and cultural identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an application right here. Uh, this, is, this is an application of those stories that you don't find in the U.S. We don't have, and that's our problem right now, I think, mm-hmm. is that we are lacking a unifying story yeah. until somebody like that guy came in with a very off the wall unifying story, but a story that resonated with people mm-hmm. and they were willing to adopt that wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, so those stories have a different, here in Ireland, they have a they have the function of unifying the culture. Yeah. To a yeah. greater or lesser extent, that um, that I think is fascinating, and and this is something that that we we look at. I take what they're doing in the ancient Irish myth and legends class, and then I modify my course to teach them how to tell stories and why stories are important and why we want these, and, and what's lacking in our own culture. You know, how do we find these unifying stories? How do we tell them to bring us together rather than rather than divide which is really interesting because i feel like america or at least white america did for a long time have a unifying myth and that was the shining city on the hill and that was where everything is just which is fine if you're a white male and then heterosexual white male that's that's a good story and then everybody else started going hang on we're left out of this story and that's i think where it started to fragment Um, because that was a great story for a lot that that worked for a really long time it did so in terms of application of the story, this is what we're working with here. But also not a long time at all, because America it was only a couple of years. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's true. In terms that's of true. how long these stories have actually lasted in Ireland. Yeah. You know, America is still oh, yeah, barely that's a, a that's a That's a blink. You know, like, like so... True enough, is it? That's yeah. true. And Which is interesting as well in terms of, you know, what we're talking about in terms of the, unif- the unifying power of stories. But we've often remarked on how different these stories are depending on where you go. So Balor of the Evil Eye is evil, except in Donegal where he's a hero, because he's from Donegal. Oh, interesting. If you are in Cooley, Cucullin is the hero. If you are in Rathcrogan, Maeve is the hero. The Tawn is her heroic journey to win back her power as the queen. And you go to Rathcrogan so, and you see all of like how she was a goddess as well. Oh and yeah, there was and like this is, we were we were there recently. Like it, it, so, there's a really interesting thing here in that we are telling the same stories, but we are we are still and always have told them from different perspectives at the same time. Hmm. And I think listened to different perspectives on them, or I think we're I think we are now. I, I think, think we are now. I think that was kind of part of because Ireland was also for a long time. Um, is massively tribal, massively tribal, and still is massively. It is, tribal. is, it still is. Like you know, I, you know, and that's, you know, stories can bring us together and unify us, and can massively divide us and, and polarize us. You know, and very you easily. get the, the the wild thing like when we were up in Belfast last yeah. weekend uh, of of the fact that the symbol of Cucullin is is used by both mm-hmm. unionists and nationalists, and, and like right, it is, it is, yeah. It's wild. It's wild that, that, that nobody's kind of gone. Wait a minute. Maybe we should shake hands about this guy I mean, that we like, both like. You know, it's, you it's know? twenty. It's twenty twenty two. In nineteen twenty two, it was civil war, which is what kick off. You know, or had yeah. just kicked off, and it was the messiest time in Irish politics. And you're either Michael Collins or you're De Valera, and that was the most dis- divisive kind of. F- part of our last hundred years weirdly i think most people i want i i'd be very curious actually most irish people listening to this if they still know which side their family was was largely on Mm. 
So I, I know think, what side our family was. I think family. people do. I think people do. And know. I think people still do know. I think which is why I don't want to say it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, Collins gave, like, gave it away. Like, gave it away. Not saying, but it. you know, Collins all away. I was just curious. I was very curious to see what people would, would, would say but because the, I am curious. About that. At the same time, there's no like black and white. There's a massively messy area. The whole, the it's massively messy. Thing was messy. It was all messy. It was all incredibly messy, and it was all extremely human and and messed up. And oof. Boy, but it was also kind of I think it was a real um it was a real time for Kukulin. Like I mentioned There's it, an application of Kukulin. There's, like, there's an application, application of Kukulin. that was badly used and, and part of well, like, using, well hang you know. on now. I actually don't I don't think I think that the the, the choosing of Kukulin as your centralizing myth was the problem from the get go. Tragic I actually, I well, I mentioned it. I mentioned it at the at the the at La Crew at the site of the Kayak. That actually, one of the things that I think of when Cucullin rejects the Kayak in that story of him and the Kayak bear. Yeah. Who embraces the Kayak? Uh, the king does. Yeah. I think that is one of Cucullin's failures. I think that is one of the stories of him not being able to grow up and make the transition from warrior to king. And I actually think there's a, I think there's probably, I have a little germ of a thesis here that Kukulin like is the story of a failed king. Right. He's the story of someone who's so brilliant in boyhood yeah. that he doesn't make the leap. And so there is no way if you mm. choose that as your king that you're not going to end up in fighting. Yeah. Interesting. Because you're I, never yeah. going to be able to move beyond a fight. Absolutely. I heard that in this trip and it really resonated with yeah. me. It's like, oh, wow. Because he had he wasn't susceptible no to the curse. He never he never grew a beard. He old never, enough. He never grew up. And that like the symbolism of the beard is just like he didn't he didn't reach manhood. He he completed all of the um, sort of social rituals of of be going from boy to man, but on a fundamental level, he never actually grew up, and that's kind of fascinating to me, and and, and always kind of has been. I, I guess like like you know, the application, you know, like someone's Sammy, a student of drama, Sammy, up for a quick interview on, on on Irish myths as well, just before I met you guys, and it was like she asked me uh, something similar. To what I was asking about in terms of. Do people know these myths or why do we tell these stories right now? And this topic came up of of why we tell uh, Fionn McCool stories and Cucullin stories to kids. They're the only two names we know in Ireland. Still yeah. today, really. If you ask everybody in Ireland what character they know, eh, probably Cucullin, probably Fionn McCool, maybe nothing else, uh, depending where you go. Yeah. Again, we're in a little... They might know, they might know Oshin. Yeah. Uh, they again, often know connected to Fionn, connected to Fiona, connecting to the fighting group, connecting, yeah. you know, the, the Robin Hood and the Merry Men, the fighting against adversity. It was always, you know, overcoming the obstacle through adversity, through violent ends. It was always the warrior mentality and has been since, you know, 1916 and beyond, before that, you know, 700 years before that as well. Always overcome through adversity, fight the opposition and What's next? Don't know, but we'll get that first, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. after doing that, then what do you do? Well, you're, you're going to keep on butting heads if you're stuck in that archetype. Yeah. And there is no model. There's no other thing to apply <laughs> in terms of lateral thinking, in terms of negotiation, in terms of tactics and cunning, although you don't in Kerry, you might say. Well, it's also, it's also <laughs> the kind of thing of, you know, I think on the symbolic level, we have things so wrong in Ireland, having our government seat of wealth. This is the wrong move. In, our, in the breakdown of our provinces, this is the province of wealth and plenty. Mm-hmm. It is not the province of kingship. It is not the province of leadership. That's actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've got, we've got it all mixed up because this is the province that was first colonized because it's, it was always, always was the richest and the most fertile land and the best, you know, of everything. So it was the first place to be colonized. It is now the seat of our government kind of by inherited tradition. Because, you know, the last thing that any colonizing country does when it leaves a colonized country uh, to its independence is rob them on the way out and empty the coffers. Um, so, you know, <laughs> listen, that was that was not just that was not just here. That was everywhere in the world. That happened. That happened. Um, that's that's the just robbing, robbing you on the way out the door. Yeah. Um, it's probably still and, and arming you. 
Sorry, um, the five monks. Five monks yourselves there, lads. Take your money and give you a lot of weapons. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll negotiate a trade deal there now when you're properly yeah. on your knees. Um, like, so wow. um, there are there are all kinds of things that I think are just kind of slightly askew from the point of view of, you know, how we are approaching things because you you can't really. I might sound like I'm totally contradicting myself now, but you can't, you, unfortunately, as much as there's a kind of a romantic impulse to go, well, this is how it should be. Let's wipe this way, slate clean and, and do it right. You can't do that because there's people on the slate and you can't wipe it clean because it's full of people. And you're, you're like any of those kinds of myths of, of purity and of, you know, getting back to the way things were in the perfect old days. I have a, they always make me a little bit squirmy. Sure. They always make me very nervous because there's usually somebody at the back of it being like, that person doesn't count and that person doesn't count and that person doesn't count. You know, and let's let's just those ones and then we'll get back to the good old days. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, and again, it's, the good old days. Like, what the fuck is that? Again, re- you know? real good for some people. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there was no good old days, guy. You know, really. And, like, it was just prosperity at times for some and not well, for others and different and levels. Actually, and, also, that's a good point because it wasn't really good. Because how good is it if you're if you're repressed and not allowed to show any emotion that might take you outside of what is acceptable? Like, the, the rigidity of structure around people who are at the top is is you know also damaging sure you know and I, I so i guess like obviously there are better stories we can be telling i think the work you're doing is fantastic in terms of getting people to find their own story i think everyone's real calling is to find their own hero's journey or heroine's journey their own their own map their own path out and be proud of it to walk it you know with integrity and look back and be able to tell your own story with a bit of like yeah I'm, yeah, I did that, and I'm doing that now. Or I did that, and it was the wrong move, and I acknowledge it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a part, of your, part of your story. Too. It's part of your story too. Yes, of course. And there, and I learned from that not to be a dickhead. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and you know, using using stories, whether they're myths or folktales or legends, to or you know, books, uh, authors, people you aspire to, to kind of like help you along that way is you know a part of the creative process. Why do you think? stories of place resonate so well rather than yeah. stories that are that are cowboys and indians that are well let's let's talk about let's talk about ireland because yeah. you said you start with why story but why what brought you to ireland for for this given that it's not irish myth <laughs> 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 well I think Ireland is a place where where you can have a conversation like this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This is where. Good answer. <laughs> this is where I come uh, to be with people that that uh, under, understand where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's and it's um, it's very sustaining, but. <laughs> It would be rare in, in, well, this is probably not true. There are pockets of, in, especially in the South of the United States, I think where stories are still um, ancillary, if not central to the cultures. But most places, I think especially in California, I mean, we just have no, there's no awareness of this at all. So Ireland is a, attractive in this way because I can bring my students here and I can say, here, look at look at all these people and look at the relationship to their stories and look at the relationship to the place where these stories originated from. And in terms of the application, where that is important for students from California or for the United States is that stories of place or uh, this this idea of place attachment this idea of of having an emotional connection to geographic location is really important if we want to save the planet mm-hmm. uh, 
so many of my students are going to be educators. So many of them are going to teach um, environmental science. And it's all well and good to talk about the rainforest in the abstract, or you know. And I'm not not saying that every student should go to the rainforest, but at least they ought to understand what it's like to be with a tree. <laughs> and the story of, you know, wh where we live, to be attached, to get an attachment to that so that we can care for it. If if they don't have any emotional attachment to, to these places, then they're not going to feel the loss. And you don't actually need to go there, I don't think. I just think you need to know the stories of the of the place, of the people who are there, and and uh, develop some empathy for that, mm. so that you can care about it. Uh, so that's that's what I want them to experience. That's why we go through that all of that effort. You know, let's hike up the hill. You know, that hill. You know, do, yep. do we have to? Because you guys went on quite a little tour. Like we yeah, were in this yes. room just last week telling the tone to your class. And then you went off on kind of a tone-esque tour where you hit mm -hmm. some beautiful landscapes along we the way. We did. We we went to, um, we talked about the Kailuk at Loch Crew. Uh, Loch Crew is... Loch Crew. Yeah, it's one yeah. of the other, I don't know if it's older it's in the range, but it's like it's... Kind of all parallel. It's, it's yeah, it's it's of the same. I think civilization that built Newgrange built Lockrew, but it's it's got a it's got a story connected to the Kailuk. It was the Kailuk era trying to gather up a little bit of power, jumping, to placing stones in certain important locations, and she tripped at the last hurdle and spilled the Lockrew cairns out. Um, and there's a there's a piece there's a there's a place on it the Kailuk's chair the Hag's chair where actually. Um, I nobody nobody sat in it this time. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Somebody somebody uh somebody was tempted and I said, Well look, if you're gonna sit in it, just don't, you know, do it sometime you're not in the same bus as me. Because <laughs> 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 we had one of the students sat in it. Mm-hmm. Last time. Oh what's the superstition? What's the warning? Well it's it's the Kylie's chair. I mean, I kinda you know, he sat sat in the Kylie's seat. It's hers. I, I just I, I remember saying to him that you know he should be careful because she uh, she's known to snatch young men particularly so how the much fact bad luck that, that have? It is interesting that our some our, that weekend uh -huh. <laughs> he got he got he he got pulled up on stage at a show yeah. in Belfast and he tripped oh he was jumping over the broom and he tripped mm -hmm. so everyone was kind of like oh it's because he sat in the car. Yeah. <laughs> And he was our only man. He was. Yeah. Uh, similar trend this time around, I noticed. Uh, oh. Room full of women and one guy. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. There's one guy. One guy. One brave. Man. One brave young man. Mm -hmm. One Finton. Is that just your? Yeah. Is it just your classes that have that mix, or is it? Is it? Um, about half of our students are, are made up from. Um, my major, but then the other half are from all over okay. uh, the university. Uh, disciplines from all over that are have this are curious about what we're doing enough to to uh, sign up for the trip. Nice. nice. Um, uh, I, sorry, go ahead. And I, I think traditionally or, or statistically, um, women are more likely to engage in study abroad programs than men. All right. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sure, I, I do after watching your class being put a woman and one man. Yeah. Uh, yep. Definitely yeah. Prove, prove that point. So uh, when you went along to, so you, you got the, some of these beautiful places, La Crew. You also went to. You tried to go to. Um, the we try, We we couldn't get to Clock uh, Faror, which yeah. is the the death stone of Cucullin, but we did get to R D, where there's that beautiful sculpture by Anne Melton Hugh, uh, which is fantastic. So I was and st stood next to them, um, telling the story of, of the, the ford, the river. Yes, right at the right at the bridge where, where that's where the ford was. It's, I think it was a little bit downriver from there, but like yeah. 
very cool uh, to be beside the River Dee while you're telling the story of Freddie's mm-hmm. death. And I gave him the unabridged four day, like four day duel, you know. We're usually truncated to like two or three days when we're telling it as part of a larger story because well, it's it's a it's a whole four days. Uh, and then we went to Dundalgan to Hugh Cullen's castle. And I had already told them I told them the death story on the bus because we weren't able to stop. So I just kind of Pushed him into the microphone. Um, we went to Dundalgan. We went to what is by tradition known as Cucullin's Castle. It's a, it's a newer castle built on the ruins of an older one. Um, so I told him the courtship of Emer because I felt like he needed something light. You do need something light. You do. <laughs> I was at a wedding in Wicklow uh, this weekend, actually. And I, 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 my constant refrain was like, there's no happy love stories. Yeah. I'm really sorry, but there's very few. But there is one. There's one. There's literally one that we one. always tell at weddings. I'm going to tell become our end. wedding story now. <laughs> All but of the others end a tragedy. They love the, the wooing of Emer. It goes down a tree. The wooing of Emer does go down a tree. You know, it's so great. Now, as long as you ignore the fact that it's a tragic life and she does get jealous at one time. Um, it's it's a, it's quite a good it's quite a good love story, but two extremely arrogant and uh, good at their jobs people who actually you know, meet each other. That's how I always tell it. Is yeah, that, yeah. You know, the two of them are as bad as each other. <laughs> but they actually respect each other. So they have some chance of making making something work. Um, so we did that in Dundalk. And then uh, we also went to the Giant's Causeway on Sunday. And we went to Navel Fort. Beautiful. So stood on top of uh, Alan Maka and told him the two naming stories. So going, so hearing these stories, so so, this is the the story that they're, the foundational story that they're using in the the ancient myth in Ireland, of course. So they're getting the kind of the, um, an academic take on the story. Then they come here and they hear you in an oral traditional way, render the story. And then the really beautiful thing is to go out and stand on the space, stand on the place. And that really kind of cinches it. This is, this is, having that experience is so deep and powerful that these students won't forget that. They won't forget it. Um, there, it, it solidifies their relationship with the story. It solidifies their relationship with the place with Ireland. And then then when we go back, it's like this is how you this is how you teach um, uh, so that your students can grow attached to the earth, to places on the planet. Mm. That then uh, so they'll have this emotional attachment and hopefully then be motivated to care more mm-hmm. otherwise it's just we're talking in the abstract um so that's a really big part of of why it is we want to do it this way this going out being able to go out um, and hear the stories in place was was really important to me not just doing this in the classroom but standing on the place um, and it's very powerful for the students this is really a, a very new experience for them um, and frankly, for me as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, this was this was all going to be drinking my. No, <clears throat> not at all. Didn't I'm just uh, <laughs> I don't know why it was going down so fast. Mm. Yeah. So in this way, this is why this is how you know we're we're working with the application of these stories and and given a little more time, a few more years, maybe mm. I'll be able to discern. <laughs> the answer to everything and the meaning of life and all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll all resolve. <laughs> It'll, all make It'll sense. all become but clear. But these are just, I mean, you got to ask yourself something is going on here. Yeah. I mean, these stories are not good because they're old. They're old because they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And yeah, nice, so nice then, I mean, my thing is why? Yeah. Why yeah. are they? What's going on here? Yeah. yeah. And that and the stories are so beautifully complicated and intertwined it, it's 
it's a marvelous, uh, for me, it's been a marvelous uh, adventure to learn more about these stories. I mean, you did a longer version of the story here, which was was a real gift for me because I saw how well the puzzle pieces fit. I love that. Um, the, the story of the poets grabbing the pieces. Yes. And put, it's just a... I, I loved it too yeah. the first time we came across it because it was it was such a it was also such a kind of validation of like the way we do the exactly. stories because it's like yeah you find the, the facts that you find then you try and invoke the spirit of the people that you're talking about totally. and figure out I mean sometimes that's a case of sitting there and going okay what kind of person what who is the personality of someone who goes I'm going to war to prove to you that I am the queen. I need to go to war to prove that to you. What is that person like that that makes sense? And and you kind of invoke like that's the, that to me is is the invoke is, is like invoking the ghost of Fergus McRoy. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of listen to what actually happens then. How does that then resolve into into a clearer picture yeah it's, it, it, it's it's always been a nice way and we started off i think the very first time we put in a stage production together of the shadows of the dawn we had the you know shadow puppetry behind but we, we, we started it with an introduction on that kind of saint john torpeche story yeah. going off looking sending off all the boats all over ireland to find what, would, what was the story because everyone had a bit it was scattered yeah. to the four winds. So how do we how do we get it all together? And it, it's it's a it's a head melter anyway because no matter where you go, you know you you hear a different version of a uh, different point still today. Like you know, and yeah. and it's been rewritten, it's been retranslated. Kinsella did a great job, and then someone else. Did, you know, there's been so many other retranslations, and you go and back to source text you again. You go back to source. You can retranslate it, and reinfer different meanings, and or you can with, find different previschkeiter that Kinsella decided to leave out for the um, sake of like. There's oh, other like there's there's the the the. I feel like every person who comes to that text or to come who comes to the tone as a myth, you know. There's a whole lot of unpicking that you have to do as well. So like, we have it truncated down to like a, a nice solid hour-ish, but like that's take that flow that to keep that. We're leaving it. Chunks, loads, but you have to because then you have to kind of go okay, but like we're not here for a month. We're here for a well, show. Like, I mean, a, again, that, attention span. That was how we started. We started with telling the tone in winter after dark. Mm -hmm. We started this. It'll be eight years next November. But we started, we started it as, you know, Monday nights in the pub upstairs in the, in the little parlor bar. And we did it for five weeks. And I think it was a good like two hours each time because we did not know how to like cater for attention spans then. Um, but like we did it, we, we started with it at like 10 hours. Really. And you did a piece each week. We did a piece of it each week. We each took a piece each week. We were, and I was learning it. We were. I was learning it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the more two of so. us were learning. You were learning it more from scratch than I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, like, that was that was the beginning of of this because we kind of did that to just see what would happen. And like, you know, I think we've talked about this before. We had like you know, twelve people at the first one, most of whom we knew, and the only two people we didn't actually personally know, and hadn't asked to come. And then week by week, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the final week. There were people standing on the stairwell, dead silent, listening intently. And the room was packed. You couldn't get any more people in. And that was when we were like, okay, something's happening here. We should do this. And we like that's kind of that's the origin story of Candlelit Tales, is we 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 threw that out, we threw that up against the wall. We threw other things up against the water around the same time. You know, we'd done totally. a couple of other projects together to see what see what would stick, and that stuck like nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and still is, and still, you know, we're still getting you know messages from people around the world listening to the stories and saying like, "Hello, I'm in you know Australia, Australia, and and this has been amazing for this reason, and you know, just just incredible." kind of connections mm -hmm. and then I like you know 
when we first linked up in, in, in 2019 and did the stories in Ireland. Um, that was another one because it was also like, that was also the first time for me telling the stories in place. And I found mm. it like a really mm. exciting idea. And I still do. Like, I really the, uh, got a great buzz off standing on top of Awan Macha in Ardvaka. That was powerful. And telling the story of the two Makas. Like, that was clap with yeah. the whole countryside spread out around you. And the big old oak trees and the, the tall grasses with the seed head. Like, just stunning. 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 Um, and and likewise with all of those other places that we that we visited, like telling the story at the place of the story. Mythic, you might say. It's epic. <laughs> it's absolutely epic. It's what really was cool. your favorite story? If you had to pick one. <laughs> oh. oh no. You gotta pick one though. I, I um just love the story of uh and Ferdia. That is such a powerful story, and especially the way you told it, just unfolding and that progression from friendship then to the reality of what has to happen. Mm-hmm. It's always a sad one. It's always a sad one. Wait, what's your favorite one? The sad one. The sad one. Be- because it, <laughs> it taps, but it does. It taps into something that's fundamentally more human than the, the glossy fun one. Because that's like slightly yeah. abstract, you can kind of see through it. But when you when you get emotionally hit by a story, I think it resonates deep inside you mm-hmm. with something that you can't really understand, that you can't get your head around. And then the moments of the story stick in the images, and you're already you're in the position of somebody who is on or bound to go ahead with something that they don't want to do. Yeah. But do it does it anyway. But the way you set that up with the the love mm. that they had for each other mm. the, the that that mm. dichotomy between I love you so I mean deep deep love yeah I mean you spared nothing on that no I'm very committed to requeering Irish mythology mm-hmm. I gotta say that's become a thing <laughs> it's kind it of always been a thing for me but like yeah really powerful so that made them the reality of what had to happen such one more more powerful this yeah. was not a little thing no this was not oh that's my friend this these it's like it's like having to do away with part of your soul yes you're not going to recover from that yes and he you know he i i, I think i told that in the story as well that like he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't use the battle rage again that's why he doesn't use it in the in the last battle, because he 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 leaves it. Yeah, and so which his, is his death story. The great, you know, the the great tragedy tragedy of Kukulin is that he he has to leave these destructive things behind, but there's nothing to come in and replace it with. So he he leaves his battle rage after he kills after the boys troop after the town. He seems to to leave that behind him. And then after the the Connla story, because he he has the same dilemma mm-hmm. several years later, and he does the same thing with the same result, except this time it's his only son, and he breaks the gay bog afterward. So by the time then all his chickens come home to roost, he has nothing to meet them with, except himself, and everything is stripped away from him, and that's why that. Like that death story, I think is is so so stunning because you know there's a person who cannot move beyond the warrior story, but embodies it to its pinnacle, and its pinnacle is so so sad. Yeah, that he stands there literally empty of his own guts but he stands there and dies the the great the king of the warriors that's what you get and like that's we've we've been doing that for for several years now actually just kind of really looking at the town as a tragedy like this is because it's 
I think that's how I think that's what it is. I think it's a, like as a war story, it is a deeply sorrowful story, and I think it always was. I think I mean, this this you know action movie kind of war as as spectator no. sport stuff that we have in in the modern ages, it's partially propaganda. I think it's very driven by propaganda, totally. but it's also like so wrong in terms of no war is war is actually awful, and if you have to go into that place of getting yourself to be able to do violence to somebody else it hurts you mm. and like it's some people call it the Irish Iliad and some people even, uh, recently I was talking to someone up in Rath Grogan who was saying uh, it, the potential of the town being the Irish epic based loosely on the Iliad there's some historical oh, there's, reference to there's some, and, there's some there's some other people who reckon it was the other way around yeah sure mm. Iliad was based on the song <clears throat> But again, the Iliad is is the destruction of Troy. Yeah, it's the not destruction good. <laughs> of an, an amazing civilization, one of the, the greatest in the world at the time, and it, it's gone. If no one knows where it was, because it was absolutely obliterated. Yeah. And you know there is no, although it's surrounded by Hercules and the uh, great characters within uh, Greek mythology, it's also uh, Achilles was the time, or was the Iliad? No, I mean Hercules comes in. So he, yeah, he does. But he, yeah, Her- Hercules comes into Troy just before the, the idiot he's there he fights the Gorgon um, if you, I think I don't know I'm not an expert <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, you know it, it, the, the, the great characters I mean within Greek myth and, and mm-hmm. uh, the gods and the play and all of it that essentially is the big tragedy in, in and it's the destruction of war it's the story of war it's what happens in war there is no winners um, in war and that's mm-hmm. kind of what the story of this as well is and it's it's the story of the repeated history that we see again and again and again between division and unity and division and unity which is constantly what we're striving towards to be unified and yet we're constantly finding ways of yeah. of opposition and what happens most more often than not you end up in conflict and conflict breeds destruction and, and and unity itself can be destructive because you know as we were talking about earlier like unifying mythology if your unifying mythology excludes people then it's not actually unifying at all it's divisive so that whole thing of like trying to unify people is like i think there's there's a huge um I think there's a huge, huge potential for unity in the acknowledgement of, of diversity and, and the acknowledgement of different perspectives and the, the kind of ability to validate different perspectives. I think that's where you actually get the deeper unity mm-hmm. is in not striving for it and in like actually letting go of, 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 a, of an attempt at it because for me anyway in my experience the more in myself i am the more connected i can be if i'm trying to smooth myself in order to make things more comfortable for other people i'm putting up masks and i'm actually putting up barriers interesting so like that's a and that's a that's a that's a kind of a project of of my own kind of life but it's also a work of of you know that requires an ability to be vulnerable and that kind of requires a certain level of being okay with that that's that's what i think like happens to to me when i listen to stories certainly when you tell ferguson or ferdy and Cullen, like you be, you feel vulnerable mm-hmm. you know there's a vulnerability that's actually innately tapped into and your feelings are just brought up and that in itself is vulnerable and and then when you're sharing that with a room of people who are also feeling the same way you know. and and that's that's the thing as well because you're not asking like that i think that's one of the really wonderful things about the unification of storytelling is like you're not telling anybody or we're not telling anybody what this means mm-hmm. we are taking people on an experience and they are interpreting that through their own lens and they are going to go they're going to go away with their own memory of that and they are going to go away with their own understanding of that and they might have very different i mean judging by the kinds of conversations you get after shows where people start chatting about the stories they don't come away with exactly the same perspective that's right 
but that's that's kind of and that's kind of what I mean of like you're not in that moment saying okay we're all going to think and feel the same thing but actually by allowing everybody their own experience you do kind of synchronize um in it in it on a sort of a deeper level I think so yeah so that's we, we went deep, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Listen, Russell, thank you very much for coming on the Candy Tales podcast. Um, we, My pleasure. An honor. Yes, and thank, thank you, you so thank you so much for um, inviting us to be part of, of your, your program uh, in Stories in Ireland. It's been, it's been wonderful. Oh, it's just you enrich it so much. <laughs> I'm delighted. I mean, it was always... Thank you so much for, <laughs> for making it uh, such a powerful experience for these um, students they yep. they don't they don't forget this this is this is um, a real highlight in their educational experience right on well yeah. that's always what i aspired to be a highlight in somebody's academic experience that's right that's right you don't have to be a highlight hey, that's what we're talking about right? highlight. Yeah, highlight a highlight i'll just take a highlight <laughs> all right thanks a million russell thank, thank you, you. Thanks a million for listening, guys. Hit like and subscribe and follow us on social media. We'll have new live performances coming to Dublin soon and more mythic places in this series as well. Grow more and like and subscribe. Did you click it yet?